In this episode of Lost Words Podcast, you'll hear a conversation I had with two-time PGA Tour winner Kevin Strillman shortly after the BMW Championship last week. He just missed out on a spot at Eastlake, so I was really grateful to, to speak to Kevin on Monday uh, when he was rightfully disappointed with how the season ended. Um, but we recounted what was a difficult season, but also really talked about how great his career has been to this point. You know, It took him a long time to get his PGA Tour card, eventually getting in 2008, and he's kept it ever since. You know, He's gone on to win twice. Uh, represent his country at the World Cup of Golf and many other things as well that he's extremely proud of so it's really great to hear from Kevin and I was really grateful to have some of his time especially after the disappointment of missing out on the spot at Eastlake I'll be too nervous to I'll probably be lost for words Welcome to today's Lost for Words podcast. I'm joined today by two-time PGA Tour winner and top 50 player in the world, Kevin Strillman. Kevin, welcome. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. My uh, thank you. And uh, you just finished uh, what is a bit of a crazy season, really, considering the circumstances. The schedule came hard and fast when we finally got back playing. And uh, how did you feel after it all? You know, I was pleased with my, my results. Um, to be that close to the Tour Championship definitely warrants a successful season, but to also be to taste it and be that close to the tour championship and everything that goes goes along with it it's hard to not be a little a little disappointed but that being said at, at uh, my age and still hanging in there with those young guys and uh you know i'm proud of that and about to start my 14th straight season out on tour which is i'm, I'm proud of as well and you know clearly I, I still got a little a little fight left and, and i'll keep doing it for as long as i can so i'm Absolutely. excited to get back. does it feel like you are a kind of an elder statesman on the tour now do you, do you get that feeling or do you think you can you still you know, because they're coming out younger and better, aren't they? <laughs> Every year, it seems. Yep, they they're coming out younger and better. When I got on tour in '07, I think the average age was about 36 on tour, and I think right now we're down to average age of 30. And so, <laughs> I was 27 then, and I'm 41 now. And um, but I enjoy it too. They, I, you know, I kind of mentor to a lot of the kids. I mean, I talk to them about finances or or you know agents to use or agents to stay away from or you know just secrets on the tour where to stay where not to stay like uh restaurants to eat at i just I, I kind of enjoy being the big brother to a lot of the young young guys out there and 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 the best part of it most of the guys are great guys like really all those young dudes are are awesome i, I enjoy them i look them like my little brothers when we're not trying to beat each other's brains out <laughs> on the golf course but uh there's a bunch of good kids playing obviously the talent's growing each year but I, I still love competing. I still love working at it, getting up each day, getting to each tournament. I mean, I just finished a big run. I think I played like eight out of 10 weeks or 11 weeks. But I'll be home for a week and back to Napa and then the U.S. Open. So there's, there's really not an end to the playing season. I got to keep it sharp, but I need to get my rest back and get ready to get going. And I've got two uh, fun tournaments in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. Just to sort of highlight the point we were talking about there with the, with the, how young the tour is now is that Ryan Palmer's 43 years old and he's the oldest player in the field this week uh, by yeah. seven years. So it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite the change, uh, isn't it? Wow. That's, that is a stat I, I did not know. But um, <laughs> yeah, Dustin's probably the second one. Is he 36? Sound about right? Yes, uh, it's definitely a yeah. young man's game right now, isn't it? So, yeah. but let, let, let's go sort of back to the start. And what was your earliest memory uh, of golf, and when did you start really getting into it seriously? Yeah, I, I got into it, mom and dad. It was it was a great family sport for me. I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago, and um, sorry, I had a phone call coming in there. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago, and the weather there is terrible half the year, so there was no golf to be had. 
from November to April, pretty much. And so I, I played other sports. I played uh, tennis. I played basketball, soccer, and golf I just fell in love with. I fell in love with the fact no two courses were the same, that uh, it was an individual sport. I didn't like all the time uh, you know, having a good game in a basketball game and your team losing. I liked it more all on my shoulders, whether it was good or bad. I was fine either way, but that's kind of how I, I enjoyed sports. So I, I like the individual sport aspect of it. And um, like I said, it was, it was me, mom, and dad. We were we were never joined any country clubs. We just played public golf courses all over the Chicagoland area, wherever we could get out on the weekends or wherever I had a tournament at the, the following weekend. And I just fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. And to think that was nearly 30 years ago, I started playing tournament golf. And uh, I still I still love it. Um, but mom and dad, that was kind of our family thing that we, we did together. And um, they're a little bit older now, don't play as much golf, but they still watch every shot I, I, I do on, online. And uh, they're just the best. I'm, I'm blessed with great parents. And, and we've had a, a really fun uh, history of the game. When, when do you think it was that you started to realize, not just that maybe you wanted to be a professional golfer, but even that you knew college was a real option to play golf and you obviously ended up at Duke University? Yeah, I had a great uh, summer in between my junior and senior year of high school. That's kind of when I got pretty serious about it. Like I said, I played three sports in high school through then, but I started competing and being one of the top players in the area and one of the top players in the state. And I just kept feeling like I was improving and getting better. I had great coaching. Dr. Jim Suddy in the western Chicago suburbs is amazing, and he helped me get going and give me some, some good uh, direction with my game. And then um, – yeah, I was fortunate to meet uh, Rod Myers, the coach at Duke, and he gave me an opportunity to, to go there. And my parents were able to afford a half scholarship, which is all they could give me. And um, it was an incredible four years. I, I loved every second of it. It was a great balance of, of great golf. And also we had some fun and also it was great academics. And I had friends for life that I met there and on and off the golf. So it was great. But when I graduated, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't want to get a real job. So I was like, I think I'll give this professional golf thing a try. And Joe Ogilvy, who was on tour, uh, he's about five years older than me. He's still one of my good friends. And he kind of mentored me as I was getting started. And he told me, he's like, Kev, I can't tell you whether you're going to make it or not. That's that's up to you. But I tell you, I will tell you, you've got a chance. And that was really encouraging to me. And what would ensue would be about six years on the mini tours of, of chasing dreams, scrubbing clubs, caddying saving money, whatever I could to keep my dream alive. And finally, on my sixth trip through Q school, I, I got my PGA Tour card. Was there any time during those sort of six years where you kind of thought, I can't do it anymore, um, I've got to look at something else? Or was it always a case of, you know, next time I'm going to make it? And because, as you alluded to earlier, obviously, this is your 14th straight year on tour. So once you got there, you've, you've stayed there for the entirety, and that's really special. But it must have been hard to kind of really believe in it, you know, through those whole six years. At, at times, it, it sure was. Um, I got the greatest wife in the world. She encouraged me like crazy. Like, I, I'd had other girlfriends in the past who couldn't handle, like, the travel and maybe just weren't as encouraging of me being gone so much and chasing my dream. When I met Courtney, I knew she was the right one, and she was like, go get it. She was an athlete. She was a swimmer at Arizona State. She was almost an Olympic swimmer. And she got my passion and my dream, and she said, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's go tackle this thing. And, and um, she was my biggest cheerleader and supporter, support group, and just everything. So she was a huge, a huge part of it. And 
I just kept getting a little better each year. You know, I, I got my tail kicked in the first few years on the mini tours, and then I started beating a few guys, and then I started winning a few times, and then in my sixth year, I won a bunch of times, and I just kind of said it's time. I played in a few PGA Tour events Monday qualifying and uh, made a few cuts, and I think in Milwaukee one year, I finished, I think, 24th or 26th, and I was like, man, this is – I can do this. I just have to get the starts, you know, to get those starts, to get through Q school and to get, get a card to have a chance is what I needed. And so thankful that sixth trip, I got it in 07 and played, I think it's my next event's going to be my 350th BJ tour. event. I just saw that this morning. So it's crazy how fast it goes, but I was determined and, and, uh, had a passion to improve. I think that was a, a big piece of it. And do you think that obviously, you know, you said that you were 27 when you first got out on tour, do you think that really helped you you know get through that first year because i think that sometimes when you come out so young it's kind of hard as an adjustment period but i think because you've been a professional golfer for sort of six years albeit on the, the lower tours but you really took to the tour pretty quickly and had some really good results in your first year especially at the barclays championship i want to talk about as well yeah well the biggest moment my rookie year my third event at tory pines i end up uh getting in as a as one of the last spots as an alternate and I shoot 67, 69, and I'm tied for the lead with a Tiger Woods. <laughs> and this is 08, Torrey Pines, like he's number one in the world by a ton. And I get paired with him in the final group. And as a rookie, I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, tens of thousands of people following our group, every shot, the movement, uh, the arena, the it, it was just the biggest spectacle I'd ever played in. And and, and I hung it, I shot a 73 and I just walked away from that saying like, man, I can, I can hang. Of course, Tiger shot 66 and ended up winning by like eight. But, but I said, I can at least hang in that. If I can hang in that arena, I can hang in most arenas. And honestly, everything since then has seemed smaller to scale. Winning at Tampa, at Hartford, anything at Augusta or the U.S. Opens or British Opens, like everything has seemed smaller than that day with Tiger. And as a rookie, that I couldn't have had a better learning experience than that moment. So I look back at that as kind of a turning point in my career. And then I got married. It's funny, I'd, I'd struggled a little bit. Courtney and I got married May 25th, and I made every cut after we got married. I made like 14 cuts in a row and almost <laughs> made the Ryder Cup. That was the Paul Azinger's year in the Ryder Cup in 08. And he told me later, I was like the first first man out. I just, just missed making that team as a pick. But um, yeah, I had a heck of a first season. Um, after uh, after all that, but it seems like a long time ago now, man. Crazy. And that's the thing, you know. So this the Barclays event was the first sort of event of the of the FedEx Cup playoffs, and this is your rookie year, as we've spoken about. You had a few sort of like top fifteen, top twenty finishes, uh, and then you get to to that week there, and you you're tied for lead or in the lead for three rounds, and uh, you've got VJ Singer, Sergio Garcia, sort of breathing down your neck, and. Uh, how do you cope with that as a rookie? Is like you said there, I suppose, um, like when playing with Tiger, you kind of got a, a sort of insight into that kind of pressure. But was there any sort of different feelings when you had a chance to win that week? Yeah, well, it was, it was a very neat week for me and my family. It was on a golf course in Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is actually adjacent to a cemetery that both my grandparents were buried in. Wow. My parents were born and raised in that town. They were up watching. Like it just was a, it felt like it was supposed to be one of those weeks like a meant to be kind of thing and um man it was i knew i was coming down the stretch and i was one back of uh, sergio and vj 
and 18, I hit this terrible drive, went way right, and it hit a tree and came back into our fairway. I'll never forget, I had like 220 front edge and like 245 pin, and I just hit the greatest three iron in my life. Like, I just stepped up and said, just pick a target and whack it, and I just smoked this thing, lands front edge, trickles <laughs> up 10 high to like 18 feet, and I just hit the greatest putt, and it just looked in the entire way, and it just burned the bottom edge um, at the end, and I ended up, you know, finishing miss the playoff by shot and finish third or fourth or something and but that moment like being right there in that moment was awesome like the energy the excitement in my family it'll go down as one of my favorite weeks on tour for sure yeah so obviously as you say that that was actually a special week was there any kind of frustration that you hadn't got the win or do you think because it was so early on in the pga tour you were kind of just grateful for how the week went a little bit of both i mean you're, you're whenever you're that close you don't you don't get that opportunity um to, to snatch a win you know on a regular basis so you, you're always disappointed at first but i remember courtney and i drove up to boston the next week and we were i mean basically in tears for the first half of it so excited and with that money we were able to pay off our house and and i was you know guaranteed far into the playoffs and job next season like all that all that stuff was was big i just kind of felt like you know i i belong out here as someone who'd spent six years living on couches and in my car and you just you're not sure you know you're just not sure if you're good enough or or what but it's moments like that that kind of re-energize you and and give you you know credence and belief in yourself that yeah this is this is what i'm supposed to do and this is where i belong in the game so it was a, it was a terrific week yeah absolutely. and then you obviously had the one million kodak challenge as well that was a an incentive yeah. in the 2009 wasn't it? it was uh you know that's you know, maybe now people don't think about that thing, but it must have been really cool for you to win and, and get that and get over the line there. Yeah, it was, a, it was an incredible. Most people don't remember what it was. It basically took one hole from each event, and your best score on that hole counted for your cumulative Kodak Challenge score for the year. Yeah. And you took your best 18-hole score, and that was your Kodak score. And We had a ton of fun coming down the stretch, especially in the fall series. Those of us who are right near the top uh, doing some trash talking, um, <laughs> I remember J.J. Henry uh, eagled Vegas, uh, number 16, the par five. And I was playing behind him, and he looked behind me and went like this, like a camera, <laughs> like a Kodak. And, and then I ended up eagling it as well and kind of did it back to him. And so it just it ended up being a ton of fun. But it was, it was crazy because it was just winner take all. So, I mean, second place was zero. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was, it was a big deal. And especially for just my second year on tour and my sophomore season and then um, – yeah, to get that win was at the time really cool. I was like, well, I actually did win something here on tour, and my, you know, did not knowing what would happen in the in the in the ensuing years, but um, to grab that and to, I mean, that was a, that was a that, it's a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. At the time, it was a extreme amount of money for me and Courtney, and helped our families out, helped our, my brother out and my sister, and um, it was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing now, I suppose, like looking back, um, you know, you've had a, an illustrious career in terms of prize money and things like that. And, um, but at the time, you know, that you'd gone from struggling for money, hadn't you, like trying to chase your dream to now that really solidifying, uh, making the right choice. And as you say, it probably just gave you a confidence going forwards, frees you up and just goes, okay, well, I can make a real go at this. And then you get to 2010 and you had another 54 hole lead at the Puerto Rico Open. You're looking for your first victory. And how did that week feel? Yeah, that was an incredible learning experience for me. Um, that I don't know if Tampa would have happened if I didn't have 
what happened at Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, cause I totally choked. I mean, I, I was playing unbelievable golf. I was putting great short game in a great driving it, splitting every fairway. Like I should have won that tournament by seven shots and I have getting a three shot lead going into Sunday. And I think I shoot like 73 or 70, I think 73 and ended up losing by a few strokes. And I walked off. I was so angry walking off 18 at myself because I played not to lose. And I didn't play to win that tournament. And it just infuriated me because I lost it myself. Like it was my men- My game was fine. My swing was fine. My rhythm was great. Everything was open for me to win that tournament except for my, my mind. And I promised myself I would never let that happen again. And um, it was a great learning experience for me. Yeah, and then you obviously had a great uh, week at the Bay at Bay Hill with the following uh, event. They tied seven there as well, and you had a good chance to win, barring a sort of a second round where it seemed a bit of a tougher score that week. Yeah, you're going back in the stats really well. I remember, <laughs> these, remember these tournaments. I think we finished that one on Monday. Um, I do remember that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it was it was one of those stretches where I was playing good golf and. Um, you just, it's funny out there. You never know. You say these are my favorite courses or these are where I play well. But sometimes it's a complete opposite. Like the course, like it doesn't suit your eye well or the greens aren't what you grew up on. Like for me in Florida, I grew up in the Midwest, like the opposite of Florida, grass and greens and Bermuda. But sometimes that putter is hot and your mind just is in the right place and you just can't miss. So you just you have to be prepared for those weeks whenever they happen because you're not sure when they will. And uh, that's what makes it so much fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely and again you had a, a good run in the, in the FedEx Cup playoffs again a third in, at the Barclays again um, and that propelled you to get to the Tour Championship that year and you finished tie night there as well so did it feel like although there wasn't a win that year did 2010 feel like a real like a real big as you say a learning curve and maybe propelled you on to the next best thing yeah I would say so I would say so it just was about continued growth continued improvement um just giving yourself those chances and, and seeing what you got. Um, but yeah, each each year was you know there's a there's a huge learning curve in, in each each year I've been out been out here, and uh, those early ones were incredibly important to my development as not only a man but as a professional athlete. So let's go on to 2013, which obviously is your breakthrough year, and you win the Tampa Bay Championship. And uh, you didn't have a bogey for I think for the last 37 holes, if I've got that correct. That must be. Uh, a hell of a feeling, you know, from coming to, you know, having a couple of chances and, and not getting it done to really playing that solid golf for that length of time because that's there's that's no kind of luck there. For 37 holes, you kept any sort of bad scores off the off the card. That must have been an incredible feeling. Yeah, I was I was very proud of that one. Like I said, Puerto Rico, I learned a lot from there. Um, going into the, I had a great Saturday round at Port, at uh, Tampa. It got me into position in the final group with Justin Leonard. Um, Sunday, but there were literally it's one of those events, almost like last week, where there were 28 guys within four shots. Yeah, and so it was really anybody's anybody's battle. And I remember waking up that morning, and no one thought I was going to win that tournament. Like none of the Golf Channel guys or announcers or anything on social media. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go out and try and shoot a 60 today. Like literally, I'm going to pretend I'm in last place and just trying to move up the leaderboard and attack this golf course. And I don't care if I shoot 64 or 84, but at least mentally, I am going to go out and play to win and not play to lose. And I really stuck with it. I made a few nice par saves on the front. 
um, had a had a great uh, gosh the shots I hit on both par threes on the back um, 13 and 17 were two of the best shots of my life 13 is a back right pin and five iron from 194 into a little bit of wind and just hit this high cut five iron and was just flagged it about eight feet buried that putt to get the lead knowing I had the lead and then to come down the stretch and hit another incredible uh, high cut four iron to a back pin from like 219 on 17. And to bury that putt, it was like, it was awesome. And it's a great, great story too. I got to give my credit, my caddy at the time, AJ credit. So I was on the 18th tee with a two shot lead. And I said, dude, should we just hit hybrid down there and just, you know, knock it up near the green and weasel out of bogey and get out of here with a win. And he looks at me and goes, you hit that friggin' driver down the middle. <laughs> and I picked out driver and absolutely smoked it right out, right down the pipe and just flipped a wedge in and two putted for par. And it was just like, wow, we did it. You know, Courtney came running out. Her parents were there. I, I honestly, like I wanted to keep playing. It was so much fun being in that moment. Um, people talk about trophies or the money or all these other, like I, I promise you the best part of those competitions is being in the heat cameras on, crowd screaming like and seeing what you got and i just love that part of competition and love that part of, of competing on the pga tour and uh some weeks you win and some weeks you don't and that week i was able to hold on and and get it done and it was one of those moments i look back and just i was, I was really proud of it i played to win i had the right mindset and, and i was able to do it so. and and looking at uh, later on in that uh, season, or a few events later, you had a run of uh, a third at the Heritage Stick for the Wells Fargo, second at the Players. Um, all yeah. chances where you could have backed up a, another victory. That just sort of speaks of how well you were playing. Did you have just a little bit more confidence going into those weeks because of that win in Tampa? Or, you know? oh, the wins, they free up immensely. I mean, to know you've got the two-year exemption, to know you're in the majors, that got me in top 15 in the world, so I'm in all the WGCs. Um it frees you up to pick your schedule a little bit, maybe rest a week or two. Um, it, it, it just frees your mind up a little bit getting, getting a W for sure. Uh, but it's, you know, when you're playing well, you got to attack and try and get what you can out here while you can. And, uh, that was a, that was a fun stretch. That was uh, a memorable one. And it's, it was awesome. Yeah, and also later that year, you went on to represent uh, USA at the World Cup of Golf and yeah. you, and, you and Matt Kuchar and, um, you know, what was that like as an event? Because obviously, normally you get sort of Ryder Cups and Walker Cups as an amateur and things like that. But the World Cup of Golf was a unique tournament. Did you did you enjoy that week? Oh my gosh, uh, it was incredible. And first of all, that it was the most crazy travel stretch I'd ever been on in my life. I played Malaysia. Well, I live in Phoenix. I did Phoenix to Malaysia, and then HSBC China, and then home for a week, and then Melbourne for the World Cup, Sydney for the Aussie Open, and then straight straight to Johannesburg to uh, the Ned Bank. Yeah, I went and then through London to home. So I went halfway around the world, halfway back, and then all the way around the world in a six week stretch. <laughs> and I mean, my body was just in a different world. But I mean, each of those weeks was incredible. But my favorite was uh, the World Cup at Royal Melbourne. That golf course, I walked off saying this could be the best design I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was in perfect shape. The people were incredible. We had a blast stand right downtown at the Crown in, in, in Melbourne. And uh, and Kuchnay lost to a 
few uh, decent players called Adam Scott and Jason Day that week, unfortunately. <laughs> they caught us. We actually did have a lead going into the last few holes, but I remember Adam played awesome coming down the stretch and, and uh, nipped us out. But I had to go down there and finish second. I think I finished eighth or ninth myself, and um, it was just an awesome, awesome trip. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the following year, now you're going into your first uh, season as a, a PGA Tour winner from the year before. Uh, so you're playing a tournament of champions in Hawaii and you had a good chance to win there as well. Um, Zach Johnson won that week. And does it, is there something different? I know obviously you've played major championships, but to play a limited field like that just reserved for people that have won, did that have a, a special feeling as well? And obviously going to Hawaii must have been a special week. Well, it was a... Uh, many people don't know. It was a crazy week for me. My daughter was born um, about a week and a half before that tournament. Wow. And she was born two months early, premature. And um, I sat there with her for a week in the NICU, in the neonatal intensive care unit. And uh, she was only four pounds when she was born. And so I wasn't even going to go to the tournament. I couldn't have cared about golf at all at that moment. It was about Absolutely. my daughter. Absolutely, yeah. And the day, literally the day before I was supposed to leave, I, I sit down with the doctor. I go, let's give it to me straight. She, he looks at me and goes, I promise, she is doing great. No concern at all. Go enjoy your tournament. Play well. Um, everything's fine. So I talked with Courtney. She said, go do it. Go have some fun. And so me, my mom, and dad, just the three of us, went over to Maui. And I, I was FaceTiming Courtney all the time. Like, literally, I couldn't have cared less about golf that week. And course when your mind's in that place i i couldn't miss a shot either like i just played beautiful golf and end up having a chance to win but yeah i, up, I think solo third or t third or something it was uh and got right home to my girls after but gosh golf golf was in its proper place for me that week which is important to remember in this game a lot of times and more important we make it sometimes the worst we do and um yeah but the next year was cool bringing courtney and sophie Maui the next year. That's pretty special. Yeah, and it's really important what you say there because it is so easy to make everything about golf, isn't it? When you know, when a profession is, it's all about winning, and you know, and people do get stuck into that. And it's you know, easy when you're you know a single person or a young player, maybe when nothing else does really matter. When you've got a family and and your wife and things like ask, you know, it really is uh, great to hear you say things like that. But then, as we say, we went on to the Travelers Championship later that year, of course, that you love, um, to, and. You finish the tournament with seven straight birdies, uh, ten one putts, um, and you needed every single one of those. That's what I think people probably forget is that actually you only won by a shot, even by going on that stretch. So that was an incredible, incredible round. It, it was a, it just an unbelievable week. It's a very, very long story. I'll make mediumly short, but I'd missed four or five cuts in a row going into that. And I was at a really low place. I mean, I was, I was bummed out mad at golf i was bringing it home courtney and you know, sophie was only four or five months old at the time and um and i tell people it's a true story i mean uh courtney said i think you need to go to the bible study that week it was staying at our hotel room that tuesday night and ben crane spoke and said some things that really touched my heart and i just played that week out of out of gratitude out of thankfulness that i was on the tour you know just we had a family vacation coming up the next week with both our parents and I was looking forward to that, but I really wanted to make a cut before that and get a check and just try and get some confidence going. So I make the cut by a few shots and really stoked about that. I go out and have an awesome Saturday and shoot 64. And I think I was like three or four back 
my 10th, 11th place going into Sunday. And I just get off to this terrible starting. And I'm like two over through eight. And I'm back in 30th place again. I'm like, gosh, darn it. Like the, the start there is pretty gettable. You need to get off to a good start at Hartford to play well. And I make I make this double break around nine from like 15, 16 feet. I just read it perfectly, and it goes in at perfect speed. And some just kind of clicked right there. I miss the green at 10. I chip it to eight feet, make that. I hit in the bunker on 11. It's like 12 feet, make that. And then I get on uh, 12T flush it down the middle and stuff a wedge and I'm over this putt the birdie and I back off and my caddy comes over. He's like, what's going on? And I go, I was thinking about fly fishing because we were going fishing the next week. <laughs> I, was like, I, just, I wasn't into this golf at all at the moment. He's like, well, get it together, bury that putt. I walk up, bury that par five, hit it up near the green, chip it to five feet, make that 15 footer, the next hole, 10 footer, the next hole, like a 40 footer on 16 and when that one went in i knew something special because it like turned five feet and came in the back door to to make birdie and that's kind of i knew something special was happening but i at the moment i was proud of the fact that i was able to really focus on hitting the 17th fairway which is one of the toughest fairways to hit on that golf course there's the bunker left which you don't want to be in because then you got to cover the water there's water all down the right so i hit this beautiful three wood and stuff this wedge which going back to this year bummed me out because I just missed the slope, which I did get in 14, and the slope brought it right down to the hole and kicked that one in. And I remember on 18T, I was like, all right, you just got to make one more. Got to do one more. And I hit a nice – I told myself I was going to swing extra smooth. When I watched the replay, I looked like I was swinging out of my shoes. But I went about <laughs> 335 yards on a string right down the middle, stuffed a gap wedge to like eight feet and buried that. And it ended up being, like you said – eight out of the last 10, the last seven and one putted 10 in a row to win by one. It just, it was surreal. It, it happened so fast. I was having so much fun. It was like, I was completely in a zone of just enjoying the moment and being thankful for where I was. And gosh, it, it was like, it was like blackout. Like I was just a part of a, a movie that was happening in front of me, but it was, it was pretty much perfect. It wasn't perfect golf. It was a perfect mental outlook um, of how to play the game. And it's just something special happened. It's, it'll go down as probably my best moment uh, professionally, but uh, it, was a, it was a great memory for me and my family. Yeah, I mean, that's not an easy space to get into, is it, in professional golf, to completely put everything to the back of your mind, just concentrate every shot, completely black out, do exactly what you need to do, get there, birdie every hole coming in. I mean, it's, you, you don't get that very often. So as you say, you do need to take advantage of that as soon as you can. And and then you start off the following season, later in that calendar year, with a second place in Vegas as well. And all of a sudden, you're almost... Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work out in the end that week, Ben Martin won, but you'd almost very quickly sort of won three events in the space of kind of like two years. And, you know, we speak about of you belonging and feeling like you sort of were part of the PGA Tour. And how much now, did you feel like you take you sort of elevated your game to a whole new level sort of over that course that year? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I said, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you're just doing what you need to do each week. I, I, I uh I would look at my statistics. Where am I deficient at? What do I need to work on? I'd work hard in those areas and just go out and play. And I'm, I think I, I am kind of a range rat where I like working on stuff and swing. But I think one of the things I've been really good at in my career is, is turning that off when it's time to perform. And when it's go time, you got to look at where you want to hit the shot and you got to hit the shot. Like think worrying about where your swing plane is or 
whether your left hand arm's cupped or bowed isn't going to produce the type of golf shot you want to hit. And so that's playing the game versus swinging the game. And I've always been good at, at playing the game when I need to. And a lot of it's just getting comfortable out there. And, and like I said, feeling you belong, but more um, craving being in those moments, being in those moments for the right reasons, just that you love being in those moments and, and, and the performance aspect of, of having those opportunities. It was, is a big part of it for me. And, um, you know, to still be able to have a few of those is, is a blast. And, and I look forward to hopefully a few more. Yeah, and I think you so the last couple of seasons now you you've really contended quite a few times and especially this season you've had two second place finishes. Uh first of all at Pebble Beach and I don't think it'd be fair to talk to you about uh speaking of your uh relationship with Larry Fitzgerald at the Pebble Beach, you know, you've played four times with each other, one twice, second and another. Um you guys have got it going as a team over there. Yeah. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Um we live near each other here in Phoenix, Arizona. He's obviously the greatest football player to ever play here in Arizona and was going to be a first ballot all, uh, Hall of Famer. But he's a better person than he is a football player. And I'm proud to be his friend. And it's he isn't he gets har- harassed for you know sandbagging when he's a nine <laughs> handicap. But I promise you, he is a nine handicap. The difference is he's not scared of those moments of being in front of TV cameras or in front of a lot of people because his whole life he's been in front of TV cameras and a lot of people. So, um, you know, he does pick up on a fair number of holes, but he also knows how to make a a par when he needs to. So um, it's just been perfect for those, for those events we've played. We've just had a blast. We we just laugh the whole time. We enjoy our groupings. We've had some fun groups. Played with Mark Wahlberg. We played with Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry. Um, gosh, by Jimmy Dunn, who's president of Seminole this year, who's a great friend of all of ours. And we just enjoy the week. We stay together. We love Pebble Beach. Um, you know, it's fun. The parties at night where you meet, uh, you know, the executives of the, really the, the globe that are, that are in town, not only sponsors of the tour, sponsors of ours. And, and uh, it just makes for a relaxing, enjoyable week. So I, I, I've always enjoyed playing Pebble. I appreciate it. I, I know how to play that golf course. It doesn't mean I always <laughs> play right, but as far as <laughs> the angles and which pins you can go to and can't go to, and like number eight, you got you can never hit it above that green ever. Keeping it short there, getting the angles right, you know where to land the ball on fourteen, the crazy green of the par five. Like I just I've played it so many times, I know those shots. So um, I've had a few nice finishes there. This year was man, it was close. It would have been so fun, so much fun to not only win the team. But also the individual with Larry. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun to make a run. Nick played. Nick Taylor played great coming down the stretch, and he really won the tournament. But with my birdie on 17, I thought I'd put a little heat on him, and he came back and birdied it himself. So he really won it there. But that was a that was a that was a good run. That's the thing, isn't it? Is when you talk about we talked about maybe choking away a tournament, but in that respect, you've done everything you could that week. You know, you followed up a six number, six seven, sixty eight, sixty eight. Um, you know, it was due to Nick's sixty three in round one that really gave him that cushion. Um, so you've done every, you've thrown everything you can at him, um, and also you've done the same just after the restart again at the Travelers Championship against DJ. Um, you know. You did everything you possibly could. You spoke about the fact that the shot that you'd hit uh, years previously to win the event didn't pan out this way this year. Um, you know, I, I think I've read sort of um, some comments of yours in the time that how cool it'd be for you to win in front of your children now because I haven't seen you win. Is that is that something that really 
is the aim now is just to show them your win uh bef- you know before you hang it up yeah well yes and no um now they're sophie's six and a half and my little man Rhett's about four and a half and and uh now they kind of get what i do they've seen it like a commercial or me, me playing on tv and stuff and and they've They've run out on the green like a memorial last year. I've had a nice week, and um, they've ran out you know, as I was walking up the hill, which is going to be one of my favorite memories as well. But, yeah, to, to have a win with them to run out to me and and um, be a part of it would be special. To go to Augusta with them would be special. To take them to Maui would be a special, which is part of what hurts so much of not quite making the Tour Championship this year. But, um at the same time, I mentioned that, I think, in the interview after, how I wanted to win one for my daughter and son. When I got home, Sophie had like made out of cardboard a little trophy for me to have. And I mean, I bust out in tears as soon as she said that. She walked up to me, a six-year-old little girl walking over, here, Dad, I made you a trophy because I know you wanted to bring one home to me. And I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's like better than any trophy I could ever win. And so um, it's, it's not going to define my fatherhood by any means if i were to win or not win another tournament but it would be fun to share in that with them and um and i trust whatever the plan is you know i'm trying to do the right things trying to keep in really good shape trying to um pick a great schedule for me and 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 compete when i can but like i said when i get those moments i just want to make sure i go for it and try and win the tournament and not uh play not to lose that's kind of my my goal going forward and and uh, like i said some weeks you have it and some you don't but at least you got that mindset to go and go and attack and try and get it done yeah and you know do you do you think there is only a certain amount of events that you can win i know you said that there are weeks where you play well and where you didn't expect to but it you know when you get to the, the schedule at the start of the year is there sort of four or five events that you sort of circle and say right that's where i'm going to really sort of aim uh to to peak my form and, and really go for it that week yeah i mean yes yes and no like I said earlier, there's some you just don't know when that putter is going to get hot and when you know you're going to be in that perfect mindset. So you really try and uh, pick a schedule. I, I've always liked to do runs of like three or four in a row and then a week or two off. And I'm, so I'm always looking at those runs of what I like. I tend to be for me like starting out. I, I like starting at the Bob Hope, uh, now the American Express. There, Torrey Phoenix, where I live, a mile away, and then Pebble. And I'm usually like it took takes me usually week three or week four i'm usually playing well and then i'll take a break and then i kind of go on another maybe three run stretch and to just focus on week maybe three or four of those stretches to try and really get my game going if it's in those moments you're like i played a bunch of weeks in a row i know what i'm working on i know what i'm doing with my swing my equipment set etc and um but but i try to not be surprised as well if there's a course where maybe i haven't played well at and said man like at, at the players um that you mentioned where i finished second like i hadn't made even many cuts there but all of a sudden the short game and putter felt unbelievable that week and i almost won the, the darn tournament so um you just never know when it's going to click yeah absolutely and but just before a couple of questions before i let you go because i've kept you here long enough but uh you know um is there one aim or any one thing that you kind of want to achieve you know going forward that would really sort of complete your career maybe making a Ryder cup team obviously people speak of winning major championships is there something an objective that you really want to nail down 
I've never been like a, a goal, an objective goal setter. Yeah. Like you say to me, if like I say, well, if I were to win two times a year, that would be a successful year. Like let's let's say you win your first two tournaments. Like then what do you do for the next thirty weeks? Yeah, it makes so, sense. To me, it's always been about like daily growth, daily improvement. What am I going to do tomorrow to beat today? Like I try and beat yesterday. And that's just always worked for me. And always have your mind, like I said, ready for something crazy to happen. Because whether it's whatever passion you're in, uh, whatever profession you're in, like you just you want to just be, be ready for the monotony to break. And be ready for something great to happen. And I just, I love looking around the corner for those moments when something really cool like Hartford could happen. Or, and, and it's a lot of times the screw-ups that are memorable, too. Like I said, Puerto Rico, screwing that up is like the greatest thing that could happen to me. And, you know, Hartford doesn't happen if I don't go to that Bible study. And if I don't um, go through that struggle of four or five weeks of being completely lost in my golf swing. And so we learn a lot more in our failures than we do in our successes. And so I'm always trying to keep that perspective and not let those, the game is going to have ebbs and flows and mountains and valleys. You can sometimes, if you're not careful, you can get lost in those valleys and not get out of them. Or you can make them pretty short to keep a good attitude and try and learn in those moments. And I think that's really important as professional athletes, especially to remember going forward. So I've always tried to kind of have that. But that being said, I mean, this year I kind of got close to the Ryder Cup talk before the postponement. I think I was up to 15th in points. That would be incredible. That would be a, a dream come true. Will that say I had a good career if I were to play in a Ryder Cup versus not getting in a Ryder Cup? No. I've, I've achieved more than I could have ever dreamed of as I was a dead broke 22-year-old leaving my dad's garage with a couple thousand bucks in my, you know, bank account and, and a dream to be out here now starting my 350th event is like beyond my wildest imagination but i still love it i really love it and uh, i look forward to napa leaving in a week to, to start uh, the 2021 season so i'll do it for as long as i can to play that yeah and that's the thing is i think when we look at and this is one of the reasons what's so keen to talk to yourself because you, you know you didn't have the easiest start out to professional golf it took you six years to get to where you wanted to be um but after that now you, you look back and I, you know i don't really like to talk about prize money and things like that but you've you've got over 20 million career earnings now that's obviously given you a life that you could only have dreamt of as, as a young man you're now supporting your family no worries there and it also enables you to give back to, to charity right i know compassion is a, is a really big um thing part of your life and obviously as a christian man that must be the greatest feeling in the world being able to give back through your talents it absolutely is and you know you get to a point where it's like yeah you like i mentioned right trophies it's they're they're fun for that night or they're fun for like a few hours and then you kind of put them someplace in your house and they just sit there and you don't really think about them and people move on and my my competitors I'm playing against the next week want to they say great job, but guess what? They want to kick your butt the next week you're playing with them. So you just gotta be careful when your identity is wrapped up in something that can just that is so fleeting and and so short lived. And that's where my faith and my identity in something bigger than what I do on a golf course keeps me grounded. And it keeps me a vision going forward because it, like I said, if it's just about taking and buying and owning things, all all those things go away anyway. So what we do with compassion and actually they're building community centers in third world countries to influence hundreds of children 
giving them a safe place from trafficking, you know, clean water, um, food for their families to eat and education. Like, come on, like what, what, what's more important than that? And what's more important than using, using the fact that I'm good at some silly game to help people (laughs) across the world. Like that's, that's what it's about. You know, it's, these little things come and go and it's, it's fun while we're on the ride of professional whatever we do. But in the end, it's about, I believe it's about our families. It's about our friends. It's about our time here and, and trying to make it better. And I think right now in this world, we're seeing that more than, more than ever is that, you know, that we're trying to be divided when what we need is unity. We need love and we need unity and we need respect for each other and not convinced that the other people are, are wrong, which is causing greater divide and more pain and, and suffering. And, and as you say, it's been a year, hasn't it, for everyone to really reflect, you know, the everyday person is everyone's, you know, together we're sort of dealing with this struggle of a global pandemic. And like you say, golf has never probably been further from your mind, over, you know, that time when you had off and um, obviously you're grateful to get back. But, um, you know, I think the PGA Tour has done a great job of getting you all, you all back on and playing safely. And uh, But I'm sure you also enjoyed the time with your family that you don't normally get. So, um, there's, there's so many different facets to it, but we just want to wish you well for the, the start of the new season, which is uh, sounds strange after uh, such a quick time. But yeah, have a great time down there in Napa, and obviously you've got the US Open to look forward to at Wingford as well. So best of luck, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely, appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on.